Hello, loves, and welcome to Fed Up Recovery Podcast. I'm Kim, and I am recovered from an eating disorder, and I used to work in an eating disorder clinic, and I'm here to talk about eating disorders and things like that. Today, I'm here with my sister, Jenna, for a second time, and yeah, let's get started. How you doing, Jenna? Good, and also a disclaimer, I have not had an eating disorder. But I have had friends who have, and I've, um, yeah, just been through experiences dealing with um, me and you. other people. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I've dealt with, well, you for a while. <laughs> right. Sure. Um, so, yeah, today we are going to listen to some, or read some listener emails. So let's start with that. What's our first one? The Okay. So our first listener wrote, what was the hardest part about being hospitalized? Hmm. So for this question, uh, there's quite a few different answers because, you know, there's different reasons why people would be hospitalized for an eating disorder. Um, What was your experience? That makes sense. Like talking about my experience being hospitalized. So... I was hospitalized sort of like three times essentially for my eating disorder. The first time um, for anorexia being low weight and that included getting like a lot of going to a lot of doctor's visits, I guess, if you consider, yeah, consider that hospitalization. I've never been like completely hospitalized being in a hospital for a few days. Like some might be, um, I never had a feeding tube while I was anorexic, and some people do. If you get to a low enough weight or if you're really just not eating, um, this can kind of be romanticized, the feeding tube. Um, In what way? What do you mean? Like, among anorexic people, it's kind of like, um, it's like you won almost a little bit. Like mm-hmm. when you get the feeding tube, especially if you have a feeding tube and you're in a treatment center, it's like you're the sickest. Like there's something that gets really messed up in the eating disorder brain where it's like how sick can you get? Like how skinny can you get? And it's like you've gotten to the point that you, know, you, you need a tube to feed you. It's like so close to dying. It's mm-hmm. like this weird winning thing, which is really, really sad. You know, it's really messed up, mm-hmm. that um, idea. Yeah, I never got to that point. So that would probably be horrible to have that. I imagine it would be really painful and gross and just scary. So thankfully, I never had to do that. Um, I did have, when I was bulimic, I had a problem with potassium levels. Like, I don't exactly know why it is, but potassium is super important for your health. And it can cause heart problems if you have too low of potassium levels. So I had to have an IV of potassium. So this is in the hospital? Or? Yeah, it's yeah, okay. it's like it didn't take like multiple days, but it took a day mm-hmm. and they have to like at least check to make sure that your levels mm-hmm. are getting back up. So um, were you there just for the day or yeah. was it? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then going back into like the treatment center. So I went to like a res I was in a residential treatment center the first time for I don't know, sixty days or something, where it's like twenty four hour care, basically, and they have doctors there. And then the second time, yeah, that's when I had the low potassium levels, and that was that was more in a hospital too. So it was like <clears throat> the top floor of a hospital in St. Paul, 
in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And, um, yeah, that's, that was, just, it's just kind of painful. Like the, the, um, IV and the IV freaks me out and yeah. So we're talking hospitalization versus being in a recovery center. Yeah. I guess the, the lines kind of blur then for me because I, cause you've done both, right? Yeah. Yeah. Both. Hospitalization for me would just have been like the day of like getting my like medical stuff checked and then going into the 24 hour treatment. Which has like an element of hospitalization. It's kind of like, mm. like you get checked every single morning for your heart rate and your blood. Like a nurse comes in, like nurses live there with, with you. So it's like a step down from being in a hospital. I think the hardest part of that in general is just like letting go of your eating disorder. Like you've been doing mm. it for so long. Especially like it was hardest for me when I was anorexic because it's like you get to this point, like you've worked so hard for it essentially. Mm. And then you have to like let it go. It's obviously really good to let it go, but it's hard to be suddenly mm-hmm. forced to do stuff like to eat and to not exercise and all these things that have been giving you comfort and easing your anxiety. And suddenly mm-hmm. you're like, you're like forced to stop. Yeah. Cause then it's more than just gaining weight. It's changing your whole mindset. Mm-hmm. Right. Ideally, eventually, I think initially you're not quite there yet. Yeah. Like part of hospitalization and 24 hour treatment is usually, it's just like just getting the eating down. And that's why like you have to do the step down procedure afterwards and not just go from 24-hour treatment to like back on your own because you haven't done any of the brain work yet the therapy really because yeah but it's what i learned when i was working in the 20 i was working in a 24-hour treatment center like a residential treatment center and they taught us that like that was part of like our training was understanding that while people are in the 24-hour treatment center it's like eating disorders mess up your brain so much they like slow your thinking down it's like the therapy that people are doing during this time is just kind of not that effective because one on like weekly therapy. Yeah, yeah. People will also do weekly therapy while they're in this treatment centers. Okay. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's like you're too messed up in the brain to like you're too tired and you're too stressed, you're too anxious to really like get down to the therapy work. So it's kind of it's helpful and it's but it's more of like in the moment stress mm-hmm. and anxiety dealing with. So you have to like keep doing therapy afterwards. Mm. So yeah. And just eating. <laughs> like as far as being in the hospital or like being in the treatment center. It's hard doing that eat it was hard doing all the meals all the time. Um it's like the best way to recover to like eat all that time. But like when you're yeah, it's just change. What do the meals look like when you're at a recovery center? Um um, I don't know. It depends on where you're at. I think that mostly for the structure of a recovery center is you're going to have, like, you wake up at, like, 7 sometime in the morning. If you, it's, like, you have to get up early enough to, like, make sure you get all your meals in. So, like, you get up at 7 or something to have your breakfast so you can have a snack. You have a snack at 10. Mm-hmm. It's, like, structured around, like, a meal, meal, three meals and three snacks. So you have a yeah, meal at breakfast at 7, snack at, like, 10. Lunch at noon, snack at three, dinner at five, snack at eight. Like it's, it's like a lot, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like really the best way to rate restore or to maintain your weight while you're in treatment. Um, and it's not like it's not even that free. It's not that much, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. like it just seems like a lot. Like it seems like all you're doing all day is eating mm-hmm. and, because like you don't really do anything else. Like you're in this you're in like a 
locked down like we're locked down you know you can't leave yeah you can you can like leave technically but like the doors are i think i think one place the doors were locked or at least like at least like there's someone at the desk and like you know it's like you can't just come and go okay as you please you're like kind of like in there you know mm-hmm. so it's like you're just in this kind of little block you're just eating all day so it's but um but you know I'm, like still i eat like this much but i just do up other stuff during the day so it just doesn't seem like my day is so focused around eating <clears throat> these days but like as far as the meals like what they look like just like regular food <laughs> mm-hmm. um there's a whole there's a whole i can get into the whole stuff later about like what the balance of the meals would be and you know stuff like that but that could be for another time i guess fun stuff yeah fun stuff i do like talking about um meal planning and recovery because it's it's interesting and helpful helps me still yeah so is that enough do you think for that question yeah let's move on to the next question <coughs> Reto. <laughs> radical okay i have a lot of dumb sayings like i've been saying like tight and rad and dope a lot lately and i get made fun of for it those words are really boring aren't they i have no idea where i got them from they're like surfer words from the 2000s it's mm-hmm. unfortunate okay so our next listener it's not really a question as much as it's like she wanted us to talk about it so she wrote in saying that people should stop romanticizing eating disorders. Yes, so much so. Eating disorders are, what, the number one cause of death in mental health world? Like, <clears throat> through suicide and through um, just heart failure, you know, a lot of medically medical-associated problems with eating disorders. Mm-hmm. So, yes, they are not romantic. They are, like, horrible and... It's weird. It's weird how they're romanticized. I think, like, while I was putting together this podcast and, like, putting together YouTube videos, I'm spending, like, I never really did this in my recovery. Like, did a lot of the online community for recovery. Um, I guess when I had my eating disorder, like, Instagram was less popular. Tumblr was. I used Tumblr. And Tumblr was, you know, Tumblr? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it still popular? People still use it? actually. Yeah, it's like, it's more of like a, what is it more like a scrap, it's like a scrapbook kind of yeah. on the internet, like where it's like pictures and like GIFs. GIFs? Is it GIFs or GIFs? GIFs. GIFs. I like thought that, but not that I'm saying it. Okay, so yeah, it's, so I used to like blog a little bit on Tumblr, like, oh my god, I'm so sad. Um, But what was the point? Oh yeah. On YouTube, there's so many of these videos of, like, my story, and it's, they do these pictures of, like, before and after, and it's just so dramatic. It's like, okay, I'm really happy, you know, that you, they gained weight, you know, like, weight restored, but, like, it's, like, so many of, like, people love to post, like, the thin pictures and, Mm -hmm. like, their anorexic pictures, and it's really triggering for people. Like, it propels the idea that, like, you have to be really skinny to have an eating disorder, and, like, it just... I mean, like the Pro Anna. There's still the Pro Anna websites. And what like, is that? Um, oh, like Pro Anorexia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like whole <laughs> websites devoted to like people trying to have anorexia and like giving tips and I think that it still, still exists. I am sure. Yeah, I'm sure. That's horrible. Um, yeah, it's like what do we do? You know. Yeah. What would you say if someone was um, 
like just kind of makes nonchalant comments about you know eating disorders and like oh I wish I had an eating disorder that way I could lose weight or um like oh she's so thin she probably has an eating disorder like lucky her mm-hmm. or something like that where it's just like you know looking at an eating disorder I was like oh she's wow she's so skinny or something like that yeah I think that's the misconception that people think like if they if they're not educated enough or if they've never met anybody with an eating disorder or they just haven't like I haven't experienced it. They think that it's like a quick weight loss tip almost like, cause yeah, you, I mean, you lose weight having anorexia, you lose weight restricting, you lose weight. You really don't lose weight bulimic. That's kind of like purging doesn't help you lose weight, which is what one of the things that helped me recover kind of is like after a binge, then I learned that I had a psychiatrist tell me that like, you know, you only lose like 50% of the calories or something when you binge or when you purge. So it's like, like, I don't know how they studied it somehow, which is kind oh, of fascinating right. to yeah, me. Like they, know. they measured like the calorie intake of people. I, I don't know how they do that. <coughs> like how they do that. They can measure like the calorie of the food that's in the, per, in the, the vomit, you know, and the calories mm-hmm. before. It's crazy to me. But anyway, wow. it's these things, these things actually help. It's like the fact checking stuff mm-hmm. that helps in recovery of learning that like, it just helps you like think more like, okay, I'm you know, I'm purging, but it doesn't really help me lose weight. Um, anyway, sidetrack. What were we talking about? Romanticizing. Romanticizing it. Um, people who say they wish they had one. Yeah, yeah. So basically, um, yeah, they're not a quick fix diet. Like, no, my God. A lot of it, like, especially the more you get into it, of course, like, it's just, it's like a coping mechanism like anything else like any other addiction really there's like it's just a way of not dealing with problems and of masking pain and of easing anxiety um and it doesn't it doesn't it's not healthy Mm -hmm. you know and these people aren't happy like if you have anorexia or bulimia like you're suffering there's so many long-term effects yeah yeah i mean it, it happens quickly like you're not i think that's the problem is like people it's like you're like they'll praise you until they're like oh but you're too sick now like now you're you know like when i started losing weight when i oh, okay. yeah it's like i started getting anorexia and i was losing weight and like i got so many compliments like people in my class were like oh my gosh how did you do that like i want to do that and just like even like my coaches like all of my cr- running coaches like okay. i don't know they're like yeah you lost weight you're gonna run faster now like people would say this to me and it's crazy like how much that affected me and made it like perpetuate my eating disorder and then, like, I finally, I got skinnier and skinnier and skinnier, and finally I got to the point that people were like, my mom, or, <laughs> I guess, yeah, sure, whatever. My mom told me that I looked like a, like a ghost, or like a, what did she say? Like, I look like a, I don't know, like a skeleton. Just, like, stuff like that, that it's like, oh, but you're, like, you gone too far. Like, you know, like, you, it does get unattractive, because you're, which unattractive is kind of, I don't know if that's the right word to use, but, like. It's just not healthy. Like I started losing hair. I you get all the fuzz on your body because you're so you're so thin that you're mm-hmm. so cold. And I also lived in like Bemidji, Minnesota, where it's um, freezing. So it was like I had anorexia at like thirty below. <laughs> Do not recommend this. Oh <laughs> yeah, with a car that didn't have heat. God. So anyway, what you're you get to such a low body weight that you're so cold that your body develops like it starts to grow hair. I forget what the word is for this hair, but like mm-hmm. you get like this fine hair all over your body. Because it's like, we need to do something to stay warm. It's freaky. Um, you lose hair. You know, it ages you faster. 
um, you're just not like feeding yourself right. You're not getting vitamins. You're not, you know, you're just not getting enough. Your body needs all this stuff to like mm-hmm. look good and glow and function well. And yeah. Um, so do you think, how would we, like, what would you t- tell people who are romanticizing disorders? Is it just that there should be more information about the reality of it? Or like, how do you educate people who are continuing to perpetuate this idea that eating disorders are, like, exciting or good or, like, romanticizing it? Like, what would you, what would you say to them? I'm curious, like, which point, which side to start from because like, I think both people do it like people with eating disorders mm-hmm. can tend to romanticize it um like from a victim yeah kind of or? like yeah victim like okay. I don't know that's tough to say about that um on the other side I mean it's like just yeah in general like not having enough education I think on mental health is a big problem because people do that for a lot of things like we people say the wrong people just i don't know we don't have the right vocab a lot of, out of a lot of things with mental health terms yeah like, with oh, mental health terms and, or like yeah which like really harmful you know like she was an eating disorder she hasn't you know where you just throw stuff around like it's yes anything yeah and like just because that's I mean she's just saying that like oh she's so skinny she must have an eating disorder she must be anorexic you know mm-hmm. it's like that's perpetuating the idea that eating disorders are just for people that are skinny and Mm -hmm. it's like oh like it's just like eating disorders are way more complex than just like a weight Mm -hmm. because people can be skinny and not have an eating disorder people you know there's like people there's tons of medical reasons that people have are thin so then they're you know they might have Crohn's disease or whatever I don't know um and then but it's not anorexia it's just they're not mental health Mm -hmm. so then they would be suffering from those comments as well yeah, just we need to keep educating people, um, and, and just like be cautious about what you say. You know what, how you're using those terms and not throwing things around and mm-hmm. just being aware how it affects people. Yeah, yeah, totally. And um, make yeah, being honest about stuff too. I think people that like I try, I'm trying to do that with this podcast and with everything is just like being really honest about my experience and not making it like. So, um, dramatized, yeah. So, dramatized and like, I guess so, yeah. And like, saying the like, not feeling ashamed to talk about the stuff that's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and like the depression and like the gross behaviors and just like how much it like fucking ruins your life, (laughs) you know, like how much I could have accomplished without having an eating disorder. It's like, yeah, the weight loss is just nothing, you know, and so, yeah. And I think in films, too, I think films have a problem with romanticizing them. In what way? Do you have like, a um, specific film? Like, yeah, I have a lot of problems with... I think we should get into that more in other episodes, too, like taking mm-hmm. apart different oh, films. But, I mean, one of them is, like, it's so ridiculous, like, that... Um, I do like, kind of like the film, but... um, What is it? In the movie Girl Interrupted, um, I would say they romanticize mental illness a bit and get it a bit confused... Um, it's really good. I like the movie a lot. I think I liked it because it was the first movie that I saw that was like kind of about mental health that I kind of related to. Um, and I really like Angelina Jolie in it. 
But she's, like, really thin and plays this kind of erratic character. And I thought she was really cool. And I think she kind of romanticized, like, that a bit of, like, being really edgy and cool and sexy. Well, and having an eating disorder? I haven't seen the movie. I, I, I don't know if she, had, she didn't necessarily be portrayed as somebody that had an eating disorder. But I think she was more, like, portraying someone that might have, like, borderline or borderline um, disorder. Um, yeah. But there's one character in it. It wasn't really clear either what she was suffering from. Um, I forget her. I think her name was Daisy. Daisy. But Daisy did this thing where she... So they lived there in this room. But Daisy did the thing where she would eat chicken under... She had like would keep chicken... Like rotisserie chickens under her bed and like pick at the bones and like eat them. And I never really... I was really confused about what that was about. But it felt kind of like bulimic behavior to me. So I was wondering if she might have that. And in a weird way, like, I related it, I related to it because I would do kind of weird stuff like that, like, not keep rotisserie chickens under my bed. But, um, yeah, just kind of, like, picking at food in a weird way and, um, yeah, just someone that had, like, bizarre behaviors around food I kind of felt, like, related to, so I actually really liked her character. Um, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, we should do that. We'll, we'll go into that in a later episode, I think picking apart different movies about eating disorders and um yeah there's a couple tv series that i think are pretty good that really portray eating disorders better i think there's one called maybe skinny like a short tv series on youtube about a girl with bulimia i think that's what it's called but i'll go back and look yeah it's an interesting topic though the takeaway i guess would be having a better understanding of mental illness in general and putting more information about what like the actual like being honest about what the health problems are associated with eating disorders and supporting people that have them and just like watching comments about them in general yeah maybe it's a good takeaway from that so yeah i think that'll be it for today's episode thanks for listening today stay tuned for our next episode and take care of yourselves and we'll see you next time Bye bye